BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags, and with me today, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? Fresh and loving this like, early start to the UFC. Yeah. Glad it we're in Abu Dhabi, but... Glad he started at what, 8 over here, the main card. Mm-hmm. So we've not long as we've finished it, 11 o'clock at night, and I've still got a couple of hours in me to uh, get the rest of me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sucks to be American sometimes, but when when it comes good for us Brits, it comes good for us Brits. Yeah, that, that was a quality time to start a, a UFC pay per view. Uh, if Covid's done anything, it's helped us Brits get more uh, action at normal times. But yeah, we've uh, we've literally just finished watching uh, UFC on ABC One, um, UFC Fat Island, blah blah blah, uh, Holloway versus Qatar. And the first event on ABC, my Yeah, first event on ABC, first event of the year, and goddamn did that this, this event bring it? Uh, we'll quickly go through these prelims. So we started with. Jacob Kilburn um, losing by decision to Austin Lingo in the featherweight. Then we got Vanessa Mello picking up the decision against Sarah Morris in the women's bantamweight. Uh, another decision with uh, Remazan Imiev picking up uh, the decision against David Zawara in the welterweight. And then another decision, Carlos Felipe uh, and Justin Taffer in the heavyweights absolutely punching the living shit out of each other. And then to round off uh, the the prelims, we had yet another decision. Jocelyn Edwards uh, picked up another victory with a uh, uh, one-sided uh, win over Yan Wu. 
Uh, so that boded well that we're probably going to get a lot of decisions on this main card. No, not really. Uh, we started off with three first round knockouts. Uh, what a way to start a year of UFC events. So, first fight was uh, Punelli Soriano taking on Dusko Todorovic. Both of these guys walking into this fight unbeaten. Um, I think Punelli was 7 and all going into this, and uh, Todorovic was 10 and all. Um, started, I thought Todorovic started off easily the most. The more, um, Confident in this fight, it was uh, opening up with uh, some uh, some low kicks. But what Soriano was was very economical with his shots. He threw some huge shots, but he didn't throw the kind of velocity that uh, um, that Todorovic was throwing. But every time he threw, it landed, and I think that was what made the difference in this. There were a couple of times where he knocked uh, the, the the mouth guard out of uh, Todorovic's uh, mouth with with, uh, with the shots, and at one point the mouth guard actually fell down the the, the grate that goes around the edge of the the octagon. So he kind of got a bit of a reprieve from that shot because he had time to recover whilst he they pulled the set apart to find his uh, his mouth guard, but. It was too little, too late, and his confidence was not uh, was not well founded because uh, as soon as he got his mouth guard back for the second time, he got smacked clean in the mouth, went down. Uh, he tried to do a, 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 a submission to grab the leg, but um, the ref uh, just came in, said, "No, nope, this is over. You've been you've been hit way too much." And it, to be fair, he was you could see he was he was disappointed in his own performance, but. What a way to uh, to to lose for the first time, getting absolutely demolished by Pinelli Sariano. Yeah, absolutely. You can't take away his performance. He he went in there, worked out a, a good game plan and, and stuck to it. Like you said, after when he's knocked his mouthpiece out, I love the fact how Herb Dean were trying to stick his fingers down side a canvas to try and dig the mouthpiece mm -hmm. out, and then it was like, ah, fuck this, get a bit second mouthpiece. Um, well, no, they, he didn't have a second mouthpiece. That was the point. Uh, that's why I, I was uh, thinking that this fight might actually get waved off. It was be, uh, Herb did try and get um, into the grate, but uh, one of um, Todorovic's cornermen actually pulled the grate up, and he was able to to get the uh, the mouthpiece. But I think if he didn't have that second mouthpiece, that fight was going to get was going to get waved off for a no contest, which would have been unfair, really, I thought, to Soriano because. God, that guy hits like a sledgehammer for a, for a middleweight. No, 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 not absolutely. Because if the fight didn't get called off through that, would have got obviously called off through some sort of stoppage, and he would have got the the win. Because I'm sure they've got checklists when the referee goes into the back and they basically go over it. I'm sure they have to do that. They have, have to have certain stuff with them. I think it's like certain gloves or certain like fart wear and gear yeah, and stuff. I, th I think it depends from commission to commissioner. <laughs> Uh, with Abu Dhabi being such new territory, um, it may be a, a point that they don't have those those guidelines in place. But yeah, they certainly didn't get the second gun shield. It was uh, they they dug the original one out of the grate. Well, I hope they washed it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, but uh, again, uh, Sariano, uh, his first, his second first round uh, finish in the UFC, and mm -hmm. going on to being eight and zero in the middleweight division, which. Is a good division, especially to get two finishers um, and moving on uh, up in the ranks. Obviously, this win doesn't throw him right up there into the big big dogs, but you know, in all a couple more wins, and you and you 
and you could get up there. But going on to the finish, I do believe it was stopped a little bit early. Now, mm-hmm. I can understand that, yeah, the referee was just early. He was just doing his job. It was... Like, I'm not saying he was wrong to stop the fight. Obviously, it's his call. But at the end of the day, it's the referee's call. It's the last judgment, either the referee or the doctor. So it's it's either their call and nobody else's. So he was doing what were best for the fighter. But when I look at it as, if you're a professional fighter, you... I know it's going to sound stupid, but you should be trained enough to be able to take shots like that. And it's not like he was fully out when he was fighting back. He was mm-hmm. holding the leg, trying to fight back. And he wasn't fully out. Or he, he, To me, anyway, it didn't, or on the TV, it didn't look... Uh, to be out or to be hurt to an extent where he couldn't fight back. So could the fight have gone on? Yeah, potentially. Could it, the outcome have been the same? More than likely. But yeah, I, I would have liked that fight to go on uh, just a little bit longer. But again, Erby's there to, to do a job and he's, mm-hmm. he's looking out for the fighter's safety and the well-being of the fighter. And if he, if he thinks to himself that this fighter's took more damage than what's necessary and he's not defending it, then he's well within his right to stop the fight, so no judgment towards yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think uh, it it sounded like, to me, it was probably a little bit early. For, to Herb's Dean's defence, like you said, he's there to protect the fighters, but the guy did lose his gum shield twice in the fight. He was knocked down several times. Um maybe Herb had seen enough over the, the, the course of the first round I would have personally would have liked to have seen him survive that, that last 12 seconds or so, get to a second round and, and see where the land lad there uh, but a great win for Soriano should uh, should at least help put his name uh, in some other fighters uh, mindsets and maybe he'll get a bigger fighter but let's go into um, into the second fight another well, uh, middleweight fight and another first round finish uh, Joaquin Buckley coming off the back of a massive heart train after, after his uh, ninja style knockout uh, uh, recently. Uh, the biggest favourite on the card by a long, long way, uh, taking on uh, Alessio Di, uh, Di Chirico, who was who was basically in there to be fodder to to build up this heart train of uh, of, of Joaquin Buckley. No, not 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 happening on Alessio's watch. He was not there to just make up numbers. Uh, came out instantly with a uh, front kicks down the middle. Uh, Buckley, I thought was um, he was always, he's always explosive. I like his uh, the way he has the the stance where he's very wide. He's hard to kind of uh, to uh, assess with him being a natural southpaw. Um, a lot of fighters get can uh, get trouble with him, and he can he can fire those kicks off uh, pretty rapidly. Uh, and his punches are just so brutal, but he he's, his accuracy was just not on point, uh, and um, Chirikio was able to to like uh, slip a lot of his shots, and then um, he landed a, 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 a nice little step up uh, stepping up knee. And then went for a, a head kick, which absolutely landed clean, shin to temple, and Buckley was out cold. Uh, Chirico did did what any fighter would do; he rubber stamped him with a few shots. Uh, fight waved off by Keith Peterson, and um, Buckley tried to say that he he was fine, but when you saw him try and walk and stand up, his legs were stiff. 
his his legs were still knocked out, even though his eyes were open and his and his lips were moving. What a what a victory for uh, Dicharico, who, who everybody thought was was basically just fodder for for the for whacking Buckling. Yeah, he's uh, really made a, a name for himself with this win. Yeah, Buckley would definitely do it stanky leg as soon as he stood up, and I don't think he can use Dominic's excuse of <laughs> fucking cigarettes and alcohol after. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, personally, I think Buckley made a, a, a stupid mistake. At the end of the day, his opponent watched enough of his fight tape to understand that Buckley drops his hands a lot, and he yeah. does. And it should have been on Buckley and his coaches to look at that and. And, and look at that and understand the self that yeah I am dropping my hands a lot and yes you are dropping your hands a lot and we need to do something about that the fact is that he hasn't he's just took these two wins uh, two wins on the on the head and basically ran with it and it's like right I'm, I'm again I don't want to say it blowing smoke up his arse or this next big thing because it's not like he's been pushed like uh, Chimiev and some of these other guys but the knockout certainly helped him get to where he is and especially the 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 R's that's on him uh so he, he should have definitely d- trained or did something about dropping his hands a lot because that's what lost him the fight and mm-hmm. uh Alicia knew that and when dc said uh commentary he was he was saying that open up the body kicks, throw kicks to the the arms because even though if he doesn't connect clean to the head, he's gonna drop his arms because the the hurt and take his legs away so it stops him moving forward. Because that's what Buckley is. He's a he's a he's a power fighter and a pressure fighter. He hits hard and he'll move forward. And if you can't stop him from doing that, it's more than likely it's gonna go in his favour and he's gonna knock you out. And um, Alicio was had a great answer to that with countering that with drawing him in. Making Buckley think it's safe to go in, and next thing before you know it, Buckley's just been cracked with a, a beautiful roundhouse kick that has perfectly opened up because he always drops his he always he drops his hand and his right hand side is always open and again like Rockhold with going up to the left hook Larry and he can always get knocked out with that left hook. It's mm-hmm. the exact same situation with that. Bisping knocked him out of it, and then Blakovic knocked him out of it. It's a massive weakness. Yeah, and it's a weakness that it'll quickly get exploited if you don't do something about it. Because now he's been, he's been, he's been punished with it. Mm-hmm. Look at D- <clears throat> look at DC when when Bones basically figured out that you're weak on this side, and I can hit you more when potentially whenever I want. And he were able to, he were able to basically go go on that the second time. And eventually knock him out, and a lot of other fighters do the same. And again, I think Buckley's—if he don't book his ideas up, he's probably going to get knocked out again with either a left hook or another eye kick. And there's when you're looking for the knockout all the time, because obviously he's, he came in, he's got two first round, uh, two fights, two knockouts. Mm-hmm. His first knockout was spectacular, then his second knockout was just. Like a Francis Ngannou knockout, he was just going forward and absolutely throwing like bombs. Power. Yeah, and that were it. And so that's what worked for him. And most majority of the time, when you're that sort of guy who looks for that, if you're not one of these technically sound strikers who can get away with doing that because you're better than most majority of the guys, you sort of do open yourself up to dangerous shit like this. And he definitely opened himself up to the head kick, and Alicio did perfect to. 
to counter it. And I know a lot of people are going to probably jump on it and go, oh, he probably got lucky and stuff like that, but no, he fucking didn't. He's, this Elysio, he's putting the work in. That's it. Elysio made his debut in the UFC in 2016. He has been around the block longer than Buckley's even probably been fighting professionally. So it's, it's not a case of... Oh, he got a lucky shot. No, he watched his tape, he put the hard work in, he knew that Buckley dropped his hands for that right hand side and he knew eventually I'm gonna get him yeah. with that left hockey. And I guarantee if you put if you were to look back on the paperwork that they put through their camp, I guarantee that somewhere on them points it was to finish that fight off with that hockey because he dropped his hand and they they executed it perfectly. And a lot of people it pissed me off because a lot of people was underestimating him and like you were saying, he got put in there as kind of fodder. It was another guy for Butler to run through and absolutely not the case. He's not one of the guys who have been a well-known guy or a massive name guy, but to the people who aren't casual fans, Alicio has been around the block enough to know if you're an experienced fart fan and if you've watched more than one of his farts, you know that this is a guy who generally comes to fart. He don't, he, he don't come to, to fuck about. And when he comes to fart, you've got to deal with this sort of shit. And Buckley didn't. Buckley got paid the price tonight. Absolutely. Um, so after that, uh, the middle of this uh, of this main card went to the welterweight division. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Lee Jingliang. And something that they said on commentary that I didn't even I wasn't aware of. Obviously, we know that Ponzinibbio has had lots of issues with uh, with injuries and illness, uh, and it's not really fought that much in the, in the UFC uh, over this last few, few years or so. But he's been doing the commentary for the, the Spanish um, 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 output for UFC, which is, yeah, that's uh, at least is, is kind of like keeping in the system, which is uh, which is really cool for him because I think his fighting days may be coming uh, quickly to an end because he was totally totally outclassed in this part against Lee uh, Jing Liang. The first minute or so of this round, uh, it was quite, they were quite nervous. You could see that uh, um, both were, were, were trying to test the, test the range, uh, see how far they, they, they could get before uh, getting into danger. But the problem was that a lot of the, the testing was coming from, from Lee rather than um, uh, Santiago. It, it just didn't seem to be willing to pull the trigger on any kind of shots uh, Lee, uh, Lee was able to land uh, leg kicks and jabs with, with pretty much no uh, no comeback at all and we even get to a point where the crowd started booing because there were there was just very very few uh, few shots being thrown um, especially from from Santiago but the the leg kicks really did start to make a difference you could see the, the Welsh uh, upon a uh, Upon um, uh, Santiago's legs, uh, he then finally starts to starts to throw um, throws a, a, a shot to like a, an overhand right, but he gets he gets caught with a, a left uh, hook that just lands on the chin and he's he's clean out cold, absolutely out cold, uh, and the the fight was over four and a half minutes and uh, Lee uh, Jing Liang has has got the biggest win of his career so far. Absolutely. The guy is sort of stumbled in his, his UFC career. He made his debut in 2014 mm -hmm. and he's always been one of these guys who's gone one win, one loss, two wins, one loss. Well, his, his UFC record's 10-4 after yeah, this fight. That's it. He always, 
in the last, I think since 2018, I think he's on that mm -hmm. three and two. Yeah. Just um, so not been able to get that momentum. Yeah. Now whether that's whether that's lack of opponent or obviously with all this COVID going on and all that sort of stuff, but obviously that weren't around in 2014 when he made his debut. Uh, so he's always been up and down, and with this far, I seen it as a, a, a true challenge uh, for him. Like, can he get past um, Santiago? Because we we seen off Santiago's couple of fights he's he's a natural born fighter and like you say with his injuries he's he's got a commentary job with the UFC if you've got that sort of thing behind you it's sort of good to say like you were on about when do I say enough of the fight career and be a lot more of a, a, a commentator you know you're gonna have paydays there you know you're gonna have income and you're still surrounded in the, in the sport you love but again it was a tough Definitely a tough fight for him. He he, he didn't really turn up to fight. When I, mm. were, when I was looking at obviously Santiago, it didn't look like the he did in his last couple of fights. He it looked like he was one of these fighters who just turned up because he needed the money. He mm. needed a payday, and I don't think he, he he sort of took it seriously. And with the fighters like Lee, especially like DC said uh, earlier on in uh, in the event. When you look at China now and looking at look at some of these athletes and fighters that are coming out of China and look at how dominant China have been over the last couple of Olympics, uh, the I think they're just behind uh, America mm -hmm. with like medals and stuff like that. So they're getting up there, and we're going to see more and more Chinese athletes in the next couple of years. Well, that that's what happens. Uh, one thing that that China is good at is um, is kind of backing their um, their athletes we've seen it in in sports in Britain just like for for example snooker what happens is they'll uh, the Chinese will will focus on on a certain sport and they'll they'll plow loads and loads of money in it and they'll they'll really kind of push their their talented athletes in whatever sport uh, and, and basically that becomes their career. Uh, and that's because they want to be the best and everything, and and it it, it, it works at the end of the day. Uh, if you look at the the snooker rankings, there's so many like Chinese-born uh, um, snooker players who were who were rising up. The the, the like, like I think it was uh, DC who said on on the commentary, uh, China are, are now second only to the US for for amounts of medals that they pick up in in the Olympics, and that's because they want to be. They want to be the best, so they, they throw as much uh, funds at it as possible. Well, that's it, and Lee's just one of these athletes who's showing that that sort of mindset is is paying off because the Wei Li Shan was the first uh, Chinese-born uh, UFC champion, and we're only seeing more talented Chinese fighters mm -hmm. uh, coming out, and especially with one being over there and so many eyes being on one, we're getting... It's it'll it's easier for the UFC instead of to sending representatives over there to scout these people instead of Dana going over there to scout new people. Well, one being over there and these other organisations that are getting more eyes on them, it's easier for the Westerners um, promotions, UFC, Bellator, Cage Warriors to sort of pick these fighters up and a lot of these fighters will take these opportunities because it's yeah fair enough. One and Bellator and Cage Warriors might pay you decent money to might offer you a decent deal but 
the end goal is a UFC belt. That's mm -hmm. the we're in. It's like you, if you were in uh, NFL, you, you want a ring, Super Bowl ring. Yeah. If you're in the Premier League, you want that. You want that trophy. If you're, like you say, if you're a snooker player, you want that snooker championship at the end of the year. You're the you're the one who want to lift that trophy. Yeah, the the fact is nobody enters MMA to go. Oh, I want to be the Bellator world champion, or exactly. I want to be the the one world champion. It's uh, my my goal is to be a UFC champion. Well, that's it. They're, that's the, they're the standard bearers. Absolutely, because they're the ones who set that benchmark. They're the ones mm -hmm. who are known all the way around the world for having the best elite athletes. And if you can be this guy who, who beats all them lot in your weight category and lifts that UFC belt, and not only does that, does that but defends it more than once, you can't. You can't be. You can't be said that you're not one of the best fighters in the world because you've proved it on the world's biggest stage. It's like being a, like being a wrestler and, and winning the main event in in WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. but you've made it then. That's the that's the dream goal: winning the WWE belt at WrestleMania, the main yeah. event. That's if you've done that, that's your wrestling career done. If you finished it the day after, would you be happy? Because that's that's the that's the dream for a lot of people, and it's the same for the UFC. You win that belt and you defend it. You, that's your career. You can, you can be one of these handful of people who, who make it. And I think, like I say, with uh, Lee, with the performance he's had in making his debut so far back, I think he's just the, the pathway we see into Chinese fighting that we did mm -hmm. with Michael Bisping opening up the gateway to, to English mixed martial arts. I think these are the fighters, Wei Li Zhang and Lee, who were opening up the way to. The, the Chinese athletes and more eyes are going to get on them and I hope he gets a, a bigger name and a bigger rank yep. and I hope he gets a push he's been in the UFC for what 2014 up and down so I can imagine that he's not wanting to stick around for a lot longer yeah, I don't see me like in this sort of sport you don't want to have your body beat up and making absolutely no money where he could probably make the same amount of money for the amount of time he fights back home working in the gym so yeah hopefully in the future he gets a bigger name and a, a better rank yeah I agree uh, so let's go into this core main event uh, two oldest foot fighters from back in the day of uh, UFC and one of them even from before that in, in WEC uh, Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit Carlos Condit who is a massive favourite of ours I mean Matt Brown's a massive favourite of ours just because of the way he brings it in fights um, and this did not disappoint whatsoever um, went, went the distance uh, Condit picking up the uh, unanimous decision uh, and quite a fair result for me, I think. Uh, the first round was probably Matt Brown's uh, more successful round. He had he spent a, uh, a lot of time in top control. Uh, the, um, there's an argument to say that maybe he could have won that round. None of the judges gave him the round. I think all three judges gave it 30-27 to, to Condit. Um, but there is an argument to say that... Um, he had that top control. He was on top for I think it was about three and a half minutes of the five uh, five minutes, but Condit was so good at attacking off his back that he, he ended up busting open uh, Matt Brown uh, with his shots. And then as we got further and further into the fight, and and Condit was landing landing so many good shots, throwing uh, shots from different angles. The the leg kicks were really powerful. The the body shots, uh, the the punches. Um, 
to the, the ribs and the face. Uh, he really tore Matt Brown up, like really kind of like damaged his face. And then Condit was able to to take the fight uh, to the ground as well. Really kind of like put a lot of pressure on on, on Matt Brown. And he's his his way of um, I mean I think he's got a very underrated ground game as Carlos Condit. Um, and I thought that he put uh, Matt Brown in a lot of pressure. And it, it it sometimes felt like that Matt Brown just it wasn't at the races for this fight, uh, but whenever it got to the ground, um, um, Condit just was so calm and so confident, even when he was on the, even when he was on his back, or um, he, he was the one in control, he just took that extra like, half a second just to assess his situation, uh, really keep uh, Matt Brown guessing at what he was doing, and was able to have a get an attempt at submission or or get back to the feet and, and start uh, laying the shots into Matt Brown's uh, face again. Uh, it was pretty much a lot of that for, for the, the the third round as well. Again, uh, Matt Brown ended up in... Uh, there was a, there was actually one um, move that, that Condit did where he was on, on the ground and he was able to slip uh, Matt Brown uh, and get top control. But the, for me, the, 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 the highlight of this fight was that gorgeous takedown that he did. I think it was in the second, um, or maybe it was early in the third, where he... Um, he he slipped past Matt Brown and, and was able to trip him and almost give him a... Um, it was almost like a sad slam. Really good takedown, really well controlled, uh, really showing off his kind of versatility in, in MMA. But I've got to give Matt Brown his props. He didn't want to to uh, be finished and he was able to take it to, to the judges. But Carlos Condit um, picked up a victory, a victory that I think he needed. Uh, just for his own kind of a uh, mentality. Uh, me and Carlos were talking, and we assumed that this may be the looking at the end for for both guys. But Carlos Condit after the fight, uh, calling out quite a few guys, saying he's uh, he's just wanting to fight. He's got that passion back, and so yeah, I can't wait to see another Carlos Condit fight because, like I said, he's one of our very favourites here at five rounds. Yeah, that's it. Well, Matt Brown, the old dog, he's still got fat left in him and he, he's shown that uh, tonight, but I just don't think it's enough. He's a brilliant coach, he's got some talented fighters underneath him and I believe it's time, and I think Dana, had, uh, if he was here, he'd agree with me. And a lot of other fighters, I think, would say the same. I think it's time for Matt Brown to put his gloves down and time to actually fart on passing his knowledge to the younger generation because he's a brilliant coach some of the fighters he's got some of the in, uh, the knowledge he's passed on to his fighters that he's already gotten out and the fighters that he could have in the future I think he could make if he put his time into that full time I think he could be one of these coaches that actually produce world champions mm-hmm. he, he knows what he's doing he's been around a long time yes he's took some losses but he's, lot, he's always been at that elite level yeah, he's always he's always been fighting the best of the best. He's yeah. not always he's not always he's not one of these guys to go right. I want to take a break. I want to take a B level fighter. Say in the UFC, I want to take a B level. I want to take a bit more of an easier fighter. He doesn't give a shit like that. He just he's basically when the UFC rings him or he's ready to have a fight, it's just like right, who have you got? First mm-hmm. guy, dangerous guy. I'll take it. Yeah. Sort of like the, uh, Rafael dos Anjos. Like. These are the sort of guys who come from a different generation that go, I don't give a fuck what his name is or what his background is. If you're offering me to fight him and you're paying me, I'll fucking fight him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care. And 
that's why I believe he's a he's a brilliant coach. Because if he has that mindset in a fighter, just imagine what sort of mindset he'll have as a coach if he's backing you. And I'd love to be one of his fighters. I'd love to spend a week, uh, a fortnight with with Matt Brown as my head coach and giving me some techniques. He's he'd be a he'd be a brilliant coach for a lot of people. But yeah, I do believe that he's. he's it's time for him to hang his gloves up and, and pass his knowledge on. He's been a brilliant fighter. So there's no point in taking. Because I always, after obviously hurting my own back and coming back from that injury, and then especially looking at how dangerous fighting is. Now, I'll, I'll give it to it. Fighting's a lot. People might not believe it, but a fighting's a lot more safer than it is playing rugby or football with the head injuries and stuff like that. But it's still unnecessary damage that you're going to put on your body, especially at, uh, going to an older age and you're not looking at climbing the ranks, you're not looking at fighting a top five, you're not looking at championship fights or championship money. And I think with the UFC, obviously, making some of these cutbacks and, and putting fighters on lower contracts, it's not like, especially after a couple of losses, you, you're not going to be basically in the position to bargain more money out of them for for different fights, so I've always thought to myself, if you're not fighting for that reason, what's the point? Especially when you can, like I said, when he can be a brilliant coach full-time and pass his knowledge along, he's, he's one of these guys who have sort of got that pathway already set out for him, so he's not going to be one of these fighters that are going to go back out, like Tim Sylvia, for instance, 10 years down the line, he's basically wanted to sue the UFC so the UFC won't help him out to remove or replace the rods he's got in his arm from what Frank Mir broke fucking a decade ago. I know Matt Brown's not going to be in that position if he goes down that route. But Carlos Condit, man. Like, oh, fucking, he's the same name as me. Of course I want him to fucking win. <laughs> like, he's been one of my favourite fighters for ages and it was gut-wrenching because Dan Order has been one of my, if not my favourite fighter throughout my life and when them two fought I thought to myself for fuck's sake like I liked him because he's got the same name as me I've always rooted for him I've always wanted him to win but now he's fighting our countrymen now he's fighting literally the, the guy who I've literally got a book of at my bedside table and I, I literally every now and again when I need to get fucking by I'll, I'll just give it a quick quick read and I thought to myself shit I'm watching this first when he beat him I was pissed off I'm like fuck this guy <laughs> but then I, I, I quickly got over that. See, again, he, you can't be pissed off at Carl's conduct for long. Come on, you, the, the guy farts like an absolute fucking warrior. If you don't like his farts, you're not either a fan or you're just fucking stupid. It's it's as simple as that. Like he'll, he comes to fart, he comes to put on a war, and doesn't matter who he's farting, you're going to be excited. Even the fart of him and, and, and Nick Diaz that people were saying, oh, that were a bit boring, that fart. It weren't. It weren't boring, and this fight was not boring. And like I was, like obviously what we said, I think it might be time for both of them after this fight. They've both had a, a, an amazing run. Condit being the the former WEC champion, and yeah, he, he's even the former UFC or interim champion. But like you were saying, after a performance like that, especially a dominant performance over Matt Brown, like I said to you, like go out on top. Why would you not? Especially putting on a performance like that over Matt Brown. It's not an easy fight, not an easy name. And you've just won all three rounds. You could go out on top and be happy about that. 
But that's the fighter in him, that's the old style fighter that you don't think like that. Like you were saying, after the fight, you were throwing out different names, and it's mm -hmm. like, that's admirable to a lot of people, especially me, because I did believe before this fight, maybe they might retire together in the octagon, but I was highly wrong, and I'm after that performance, I'm glad I'm wrong, because if he has got the passion back, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go and watch the fucking fight between him and Robbie Lawler, then you'll know what I'm talking about. And if he's got that same passion back, that welterweight division is going to be exciting once more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know he spoke in his last couple of fights that he's been thinking of, of retiring, and Dana's always said once you mention the R word, you should do it, but... I'm glad that Carlos has proved us wrong because... Like I do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, Jesus Christ, let's get into this main event. Oh, I don't think anything that me and Carlos can say about this main event is going to do it justice. Absolutely If not. you, If you, uh, for any reason, listen to us without watching the event... I implore you to go and watch this fight. We are 16 days into 2021 and uh, we will struggle to get a better fight than this. This should, this will be fight of the year. I am 99.99% um, convinced of that. Max Holloway versus Calvin Qatar. Max obviously coming back off those two, um, two losses to... Alex uh, Volkanovski, where he lost his title and was unable to gain it back, um, kind of not looking like the fighter that we've we've known him to be, especially when he went on that thirteen fight win streak. Uh, the, the basically one of the pound for pound best fighters in the world. This Max Holloway that fought in this fight is without a shadow of a doubt the best Max Holloway I have ever seen, and I've watched Max Holloway since his debut in the UFC. Uh, and I, I can't think of a better performance than he had with this one. And it's testament to Calvin Qatar's chin that he did not get sparked out in this fight. This motherfucker was like the Terminator. He got His brain was switched off, but his body just would not go down. I've got to give him all the props in the world. Over the five rounds... Um, Max broke the record for the amount of, uh, of significant strikes, but he didn't just break it by one or two. This guy added nearly 200 extra strikes to that record. He threw 744 total significant strikes, landing 445, 274 headshots to Calvin Qatar. 274. The motherfucker just won't go down. And each round was absolutely dominant for, for Max to the point where two, uh, one judge gave um, three 10-8 rounds and the other two gave two 10-8 rounds. Uh, Calvin Qatar just got absolutely lit up. Uh, the first round was arguably his, his best round. He uh, landed a couple of good shots. And to be fair to Qatar, it's not like this was a one-sided like, ass whooping. I mean, it was a one-sided ass whooping. <laughs> but he was landing his own shots. He was still he was still able to, to catch Max. It's just that Max just came with that volume. And it wasn't just volume in terms of punching him in the face. It was so... Uh, varied with his shots there was kicks in there there was the body shots were absolutely brutal the spin kicks to the to the gut were just just you could see the ribs breaking you could see the oxygen come out of Qatar's lungs the fence rescued that guy 
multiple times uh, and this is the fact that didn't go down to the ground whatsoever uh, Max was just so confident from the very second he went in that uh, DC said it perfectly this is a Max who is happy who is uh, he's blessed he, 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 he was ready to come to fight and he went for a war and it's only by the grace of God that Calvin Qatar did not go down um, he got to a point in the fifth round where Max was talking to the commentary team whilst Calvin Qatar was there. And this wasn't him being cocky. This was him telling people, look, I am, I'm the best. And whilst he was doing that, he was still dodging and slipping Fucking punches and landing no-look punches. He was looking at DC at the commentary team whilst he's smacking uh, Calvin Qatar in the face and then ducking and slipping shots. The guy was unreal. This is the very best Max Holloway I have ever seen in all the time I've watched his fights. What a great victory. Um, just, it don't get any more dominant for me uh, without it being a finish. Exactly. Max Holloway, total strikes, 246, 246, uh, 746 strikes he threw in this fight, which is more than any other fighter in the space of 25 minutes. Kelvin Qatar took 200 and, let's say, what, 290 summit to the face. and 274 headshots. 274 to the face, and he just would not go down, and he threw 284 uh, of his own shots, consisting of both of them throwing a combined 1,030 shots in the space of 25 minutes. That's, that's, that nearly, is, that's nearly double Weili Zhang that is against That is fucking uh, mental. Absolutely mental. Like the commentary team says, I don't know what it is about them farts in January, but fuck me, why did they all have to be fart of the years? Like, they set a <laughs> benchmark for any other fighter. Now, I will be a happy fart, uh, fart fan and a happy man if all these events live up to this fucking expectation. If if Dana White's got this sort of shit planned for us and this shit in store for us, I am excited. I won't illegally stream the shit if you've got this sort of stuff fucking <laughs> uh, planned for us. I probably am going to, but... Uh, but, yeah, Max Holloway, you've got to give it to him. He were on fucking fire. Mm -hmm. He's... Don't want to say it, but I'm going to... He's the Max Holloway of old. He's probably going to come back and he's probably going to take that title back. He's 29 years of age. The commentary team said, Fart is in this day and age now. Um, obviously, I do the, the, the five rounds interviews. Go and check it out. But when I talk to a couple of fighters on there, we always speak about how modern mixed martial arts has always moved on. And you before it were like, like say, like, look at... Max, when he got signed, when he made his professional debut at 18 years of age, mm -hmm. a lot of people in this day and age are only making the professional debut at like 26 years of age. A lot of them are only getting signed to these big promotions at what, 28, 30 years of age. You only see these spectacular ones that I get who are who are 22 and up, who are getting signed, who come far and few between off those the, the Dana White Contender series, who are doing it, making absolutely no money but they'll do it just because it's the UFC like we said it's the biggest stage of them all you, you get an opportunity to fight for the UFC you, you're stupid not to take it at the end of the day and and Max took that opportunity now look at him he didn't have to he could have he could have easily said whoa you dickheads I, I thought I won that fight in that in the last fight between Volkov and like I say, I'll give it to him. Yeah, we're a very close fight. Did he win that fight? I don't believe so. I believe so. Volkanovski did push the wrestling in the last couple of rounds to 
edge that victory. But <laughs> like I said, it was close enough to where I believed myself that they should have run that back straight away. Now Max is a true fighter, a true champion. He didn't give a shit about them saying, no, we're not going to run it back. They've given the title fight to Ortega. He, he was not bothered. He's like, right, on to the next one. Who's next? Who's, who's, who, who am I going to fight next? And they give him uh, Kelvin Qatar. And not an easy opponent. Absolutely not an easy opponent. And we've seen that because they don't know what the fuck he's made out of. Granite, steel, hard. Oh, I ain't got a fucking clue what he's made out of. But I mean, he weren't going down for, for fuck all. We were talking whilst watching the fight and... I honestly think the only thing that would have took Calvin Qatar down in that fight was a was a, was a gun. It's a fucking shot. Or a bat. Like some sort of bat. Or a taser. In fact, I think he would walk for a taser with the amount of shots he took to the face. Oh, he's an absolute tank, but if you're Volkanovska, what are you doing? Are you are you thinking to yourself, shit, do I need to get in gym? Are you shitting your pants? Are you thinking, for fuck's sake, what have I got myself into? I'm going to have to fart, Max, but... It, like I was saying to you, in that fight, if I'm Volkanovski, I'm shitting myself and thinking to myself, shit, either way, either way I'm farting, it's going to be an hardest fuck training camp. Because if Max comes the way he does in this fight, it's going to be a fight. But obviously, if Kelvin won, which unfortunately he didn't, but if he did win, it would have been like, shit, this guy's a fucking Terminator who don't go down. What the fuck do I have to do to put him down? And mm-hmm. um, Volkanovski, he's not one of the punching guys. He's not known for... The, the knockouts, he's obviously he's a heavy hitter, don't get me wrong, but he's a better wrestler and a more endurance fighter than, than he is a knockout artist. And with Max the way he farts, and, and as well before I actually say the next thing, what we've got to understand about Max is, especially at fighting at featherweight, he's more than generally 9 out of 10 times, or if not 10 out of 10 times, more than not about this fight, he's always farting fighters who have got a smaller reach advantage yeah, over him. He's the always one who's always got the longer reach. I think Qatar had a three-inch advantage on him yeah, this time. Abso- yeah, absolutely. So you always think, so even when he went up to lightweight for Dustin, he still had a bigger reach mm-hmm. than Dustin. So it's not every day you get someone fighting Max with the same or bigger reach than him. And in the fight, you, you'd think it was the opposite way around. You'd just think, oh, this is another fighter who Max has got bigger reach, and it's not. Max was a smaller guy, so he needed to move in and out. And I believe that's why he was getting tagged a lot. It's not that he was getting tagged because he was shitter or whatever. Kelvin Guitar is that, is that good. Max knew that he needed to get in and out fast because if he didn't, he was going to get cracked. And yeah, for my liking, he got he paid the price a couple of times in that fight that he, he didn't need to. He, he should have been a little bit faster. He got the job done. He, he fucked him up, but Qatar was hitting him back with his own shots, and when he weren't moving fast enough, Qatar was landing them, and they were dangerous shots. It's not like... If if Max... I'd put money on it. If Max says that he wasn't seeing, seeing fairies or having little birds flying around his head on a couple of shots, I'd probably call him a liar. I'd call him out on it, because... The, the stunning, that little uppercut, that little right uppercut that Kelvin gave him to him, that stunned him. I believe that, that sort of shaped them cobwebs a bit. And Max sort of knew that, but he, he was a brilliant fighter. He's an experienced fighter. He didn't want to show that. He, as soon as he hit that, that right, changed up to the body. And, and that's the perfect thing that he did. With the, the reach that he didn't have the advantage, he was still able to... Do the perfect game plan, open up the body to open up the head, open up the head to open up the body and always switching it up and then oblique kicks out. We don't normally see him throwing, he was throwing a lot of them, taking the old body, Johnny Bones Jones style. Mm-hmm. 
taking that front leg away because if you're fighting a guy like look at what he did to uh, Santos yeah fair enough Bones might not have finished him but Santos is a heavy hitting guy so as Qatar if you take their knees away what happens what can they not do they can't knock you out because they, exactly. they, they haven't got that movement in them to get that full extension and if you're not a moving target odds are you're not getting knocked out and Max is never a moving target he's always moving about fair enough his head movement he gets it because his head movement is not always there, but he can take a punch. He can fucking take a lot of punches. And um, like Dan Hardy said, give the man a fucking title shot because if he fights out this way against uh, Volkanovski, I don't think the City Kickboxing is going to hold that title for. Well, I don't think they're going to hold it for long. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if if I was Dana, I'd be making a phone call to Brian Ortega and saying, "Sounds Brian, mate." You're gonna to have to sit this one out. Well, well, that's it. It's like, like you were saying with that as well. That's sitting it out. But let's go through it for a second. When you think of it the way it is, it's still in the UFC's eyes. Because obviously in this day and age, I always try and speak about it a little bit more instead of like uh, a fat fan or wanting to be a fat myself. Because obviously there's a lot of politics now in this sort of in this sort of sport, and you're always thinking what's, especially in the UFC, what's good for business and. Well, Max winning, that's brilliant because it doesn't matter who wins in the Brian Ortega fight because you've still got a selling point. That were a very close fight between Max and, and, and Alex. So you run that one back if Alex wins because it were a very close fight. Yeah, fair enough, Max won the first time round. But if Brian wins, now you've got a bit of a dilemma here because the first time they were fighting, Max was the champion and Ortega was the challenger. Now the roles are reversed. Can, if Brian does get that, walk out that far victorious can he take that confidence and ride it into the fight because without a doubt Max is going to get a title shot after this you can't <laughs> if you don't give him a title shot you're fucking insane but so yeah if Brian does win can he take that confidence and overcome the fact is that Max beat me first time and beat me fucking Handily. Uh, yeah, hands down. It's not like he can say in any way Max did it beat Max outstruck him in every point and the doctor had to stop it at some point and he didn't fight for a long time afterwards. So I guarantee that effect that affected him more than just physically. So if he does win, can he take that into the fight with Max and overcome it? Or can Volkanovski go fuck Right, now I've got to fight Brian and I know I've got to fight Max because now Max, all you think Max has got to do now is just train and get better because Max hasn't got to push himself to an extent so soon because he knows that Volkanovski's got to fight Brian. Yeah, so that fight's going to happen. And he also walked into that this fight with Qatar still ranked number one. Exactly. Uh, so with a performance like that, you can't say to the number one ranked guy, no, you're not getting a title shot, even Absolutely. if he has lost two. Uh, it's just yeah but them two were to the champion so you can't just say it's not like he lost two to top five or top ten opponent he lost them two and the last fight that he lost a lot of people still think that he won that fight yeah, they were very very competitive very uh, thin uh, decision so I think this Max uh, has really took time to get back to the drawing board realise what brought him to the dance in the first place and and turn that dial up um, and what a performance by not only him but by Qatar as well to be able to survive getting hit with a steam steam train 700 times absolutely I will throw out 
from this day onwards, I will always be a fan of Qatar now, just for how much heart he's got and how excited I were that in that fight. A lot, I don't think a lot of fans give far as much uh, enough appreciation, even when even in a loss like that were a fucking war. Like mm. he he could have easily said to his coaches, "I'm done." His coaches easily could have threw the towel in. They, his coaches easily could have said during the fights, dropped a couple of hints to doctors to maybe stop the fight and. Nothing like that happened. He went out there. He, in a way, a lot of old old school people say he took his beating like a man, and he's gonna lick his wounds and come back from it. And I do believe he's going to, but I don't think a lot of people give people like that enough appreciation. Yeah, he might not have won, but when it comes to winning in that sort of sense, yeah, he's definitely won a lot more fans over than mm-hmm. than he has lost. Yeah. I agree. Um, so next week, there is actually two events. We've got a midweek event, uh, UFC Fanat, Chiesa versus Magna. Uh, but obviously, the the big fight for next week is uh, is the UFC 257. The return of Conor McGregor taking on Dustin Poirier uh, and also the debut of Michael Chandler taking on Dan Hooker. So... Uh, we'll be covering that that show next week, and then with uh, with the UFC, then taking a, a little bit of a break. We'll cover the uh, the Magnet Kiesa show the week after, so uh, we'll still have plenty of, uh, of UFC content uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, come back next week for for the 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 main event of of the year so far: uh, Poirier versus McGregor two. Uh, we're definitely not illegally streaming it because we don't want Dana White coming after us wink wink no, uh, Uncle Dana telling us off he's got he's got a surprise for all those motherfuckers I mean for all those motherfuckers who are going to be illegal streaming um, but yeah uh, so thank you all for listening follow the show at Five Rounds Pod follow me at DJ Kirkman follow Carlos here at Kirkman underscore Carlos definitely go on to uh, the Shooting the Sports-ish uh, YouTube and um, Podbean to listen to Carlos's uh, solo project, the Five Rounds interviews. He's, uh, a couple have already dropped. Uh, he's got uh, some great interviews in the can, uh, some really big names in, in not only in uh, local hungry uh, up-and-coming fighters, but uh, coaches and uh, more established fighters. So, yeah, definitely uh, go and check them out. Go and listen uh, and subscribe over at uh, Visionaries Global Media and the Chair Shot. Uh, we have much appreciation for them for uh, being so supportive uh, of the five rounds. Thank you all for listening, and that is the end. And you, uh, just before I do go, if you have made it all the way through listening to the end, we do appreciate it. But just to give you a little insight for the exclusive, if you have listened to the end, you get this little bit. The interview that is coming up, the most biggest name is the one and only Mr. He's coached a UFC champion and he was UFC champion at the time. So adios amigos, follow and check out all the networks. Catch us next week. TheChairShot.com Always use your head.